Good morning. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Nakchang Lumsheng. Chapter 30, Part 2. There are worse things in the world than a night spent on Freak Street. It was good to arrive in Bodenath and leave the tourist buzz of Kathmandu in the dusty distance. I was met by my friends Amji Pemadorje and Yeshe Kandro, who spoke extremely good English, and they took me to the room they'd secured for me. I was to live in the same house where they conducted their surgery. They were both Tibetan doctors and made life extremely easy for me. I'd made friends with Yeshe Kandro through the Tibetan friendship group run by a Cockney Kagyun nun, Geltsuma Sultrim Zangmo, who lived in Bromley, Kent, with her mother Getsulma Wangchuk. They'd been ordained by Galua Karmapa in nineteen sixty-nine and had a wealth of information that they'd put at my disposal. I'd designed letterheads and stationery amongst other things, for the Tibetan Friendship Group when I'd been at Bristol Art School and had kept in contact ever since. Early the next day, I went to the Dujumgompa to sit for an hour. I had decided to replicate what I had done before I first met Kyabje Dujum Lumshe in 1971. This time, as I entered the Gompa, there were far more smiles and Tashidereg greetings. I was surprised that anyone would know who I was, let alone remember me. I concluded that it was the robes they remembered rather than their occupant, as Inji Nakbas were not exactly thick on the ground. I never saw another in the Himalayas during the 20th century. I ended up staying in the Dujum Gompa longer than expected as I was offered refreshments and treated with great kindness and hospitality. It was taken for granted that I had come to see Kyabje Dujum Rimshe Jigdro Yeshe Dorje. I was asked, as always, about my family. Great sympathy was shown with regard to my father having died. This surprised me slightly because I had considered that death is what was to be expected, according to Buddhist contemplation. I was used to reciting the words Kyetse mitag chiwa chuchagyin Everything that is born is impermanent and consequently dies. It was part of the Dujum Ter Nundro that I had recited in 1971 and I knew the words by heart. I had obviously been highly literal about it and was thus surprised by the kindness I was shown. According to the monks in the Dujum Gompa, it was natural that one should be sad about the death of a close relative. I was not the only literalist, however. There seemed to be a culture of emotional negation amongst Western Buddhists. Impermanence was their response to any mention of loss, and I began to understand that there was a degree of psychological disorder in that kind of flat, emotionless response, because it was not apparent in Tibetans. Knowledge of impermanence and sadness were not entirely mutually exclusive. 
I would remember this. I would never fall into the trap of using impermanence as a means of withholding sympathy. It was not that I felt this trap was likely, but it was valuable to bear in mind. I should never become blasé in respect of my being immune to developing an artificial Buddhist personality. I had seen people I used to know at school who had adopted caricature personalities. Some had become stereotypical conservatives. Some had become stereotypical socialists. Some had become stereotypical average workaday normalists. Some had become stereotypical hippies with adopted West Coast American accents. I wondered how many had the temerity to simply evolve as individuals. I was dislodged from this reverie in being told that Kyabje Dujan Rinpoche had been expecting me. He had mentioned my coming to see him several times over the past month or so. Inji Nakpa Arotuku soon coming. This is what he had been reported to have said. This information was slightly startling, or rather it threw me into a peculiar state of mind in which I felt as if I were experiencing a lucid dream. I ran a checklist through my thoughts just to see whether I could summon up information that would not usually be available in a dream. My flight details, my mother's address, my school qualifications. It was all there, accessible to me, so I concluded that I was awake and experiencing the real world. I finally took my leave and circumambulated the great Churton three times, reciting the verses of establishing confidence in actuality and active empathetic appreciation, before arriving at Dujan Rinpoche's door. I did not need to knock. Word had already got to Kyabje Dujan Rinpoche that I was there, and a smiling monk was already at the door waiting for my approach. Like first time, Dujan Rinpoche laughed as soon as I entered the room. Gompa sitting, then Kora making, before door knocking. He hastened to inform me that he was laughing with pleasure. He asked me if I was taller than before. I had to reply that I didn't think so, but I had not measured my height since I was in my early teens. Then maybe taller coming. He smiled. Anyway, there is much to teach. You must be every day coming. Dujan Rimshe was most generous in allowing me to ask questions. I mentioned that I'd spent a little time with Gyalwa Karmapa and received empowerments from him. Dujan Rimshe was delighted to hear it. I told him about my dream of Chugyam Trumpa Rimshe and Gyalwa Kamapa explaining Chugyam Trumpa Rinpoche being an incarnation of Drukpa Kunli. Dujam Rinpoche agreed and said, Chugyam Trumpa Rinpoche also speech incarnation of Dokyantse Yeshe Dorje. Then he looked at me almost mischievously. Oh yeah, you also like Drukpa Kunle becoming, he laughed. I saying, you must be in West living and Western culture as Nakpa living. 
And this you are doing, he smiled. This you are very well doing. Then he laughed more than I had ever heard him laugh before. With Lalocho Myumpas is too funny, he laughed. But then he sighed with concern. Staying in house of Lalocho Myumpas, very strange difficulties coming. But mind nothing changing, only kind and natural. No problems for you coming, full perfect result. How was this possible? I knew immediately that Dudjan Rimshe was referring to the utterly bizarre travesty of Latiham in, in Liverpool. So I admitted that it had been difficult. I had tried to follow his advice with regard to living as a Nakpo in Western culture as it was. I pointed out that what I had experienced was not exactly common in Western culture, but neither was it that rare. Tujum Rimshe asked me to explain what Latihan was supposed to be, so I gave as succinct description as I could of how it was supposed to be and how it had been distorted into some sort of naked freakout. I also mentioned having taken Jan's advice. I'd left before the situation became too stupid. Although, I could have left even earlier if I'd taken the advice in a timelier fashion. Oh, yeah, he smiled. Wrathful wisdom, Kandrel, must be always listening. My eyes must have widened because Dujum Rinpoche laughed heartily and said that he could see my life through the window of my eyes. He then presented me with a cameo of Jan as a Bathycolpian Kandro, a good meditator with a good heart. This both startled me and put me at my ease because it seemed that my life was an open book to Dujum Rinpoche. I then told him that having been in such situations had worried me with regard to what he would think of me, letting myself be involved with such a thing. Dujum Rimshe shook his head, however. He told me that it was better that I had not avoided that evening. It was good for me to experience such deranged scenes. It was good because it tested my practice. He emphasised that I was not a monk or a practitioner of outer tantra and that it was important for me not to avoid such negative secondary causes. You Dzogchen practising, so all secondary causes must be experiencing, never hiding, always open and natural remaining, all things seeing exactly clearly. Then every circumstance like shrine room becoming. Dujum Rimshe asked me to give a little more detail in terms of how I ended up at a naked hippie Latihan, and with some degree of trepidation I told as much of the picaresque saga as he wished to hear. The story caused him a great deal of mirth, and several times the details either caused him to exclaim, Yatsen or Kiema. By the end of my slightly awkward account, I felt as if I had not acted entirely like a Tomul. Dujum Rimshe nodded. 
and explained that there had been many secondary causes, but that they seemed to have no effect on me. Nothing was elicited, or if it was elicited, I had been able to override it. I had not become angry, nor had I surrendered to pressure to be other than I was. He pointed out that I had not created the situation, I had simply witnessed it. Amy and Atlas had planned the Latihan for that evening and it would have taken place whether I had been there or not. There would therefore be no repercussion for me. In fact, I had tried my best to put Kate Partridger on her guard. I had taken responsibility for her well-being and had done what I could to be supportive. There was nothing to regret, and in any case it had all transpired through going to Sunny Ling Tibetan Centre, so I had not sought out a situation such as the one I had described. There was no need for shame or remorse. It was, in fact, hilarious, and he had enjoyed hearing about it. I am thinking this Latihan for you may be Kode Rushan similar coming. Kavjay Dujam Rimshay explained that secular activity usually increased attraction, aversion and indifference. This obscured the nature of mind. It seeded further primary karmas that caused delusion rather than causes for realisation. Corday Rushan, however, integrated ordinary events with awareness without changing or adapting. This was unique to Dzogchen and was elucidated in the Dra Talgya, the root tantra of unimpeded sound. In Sutrayana and Vajrayana, methods of wholesome beneficial activity finding. Then visualisation of yidams with mantra reciting. Then absorptions of kyerim and zogrim. But nothing of this kind, not ordinary events with awareness integrating. This only in zogchen finding. Although it was good for most people that they practised with effort and considered karma, with zogchen it was preferable to remain even and unaffected by volatile circumstances. With Dzogchen, perception and response inseparable. This view in the other vehicles impossible. This extremely important for all crucial points of Dzogchen understanding. Kyabje Dujam Rinpoche explained that Corday Rushan eliminated the conditioned cyclic nature of perceptual phenomena incited by previous perceptions and the concomitant responses. It terminated attraction, aversion and indifference in terms of seeding further causes of kawa. This is marvellous method for precisely identifying a nature Corday. This ordinary body, speech and mind liberating. Dujim Rimshe explained that the outer Corday Rushan is undertaken in the wilderness. It facilitates a drastic reorientation of perception by distinguishing the events of mind from the nature of mind. 
The nature of the facilitation involves driving body, speech and mind beyond habitual limitations. In the practices of outer Kore Rushan, one had to act out both beatific and agonal scenarios from whatever paradisiacal and perditional images were available. Then, with the conviction that core and they have the same taste, one acts like a madman, crouching and standing, running and leaping, laughing and crying, speaking and shouting, whispering and singing. Thus, one alternates between being restrained and excited. One takes this to the point of exhaustion and then rests in a state of effortlessness and ease. By alternating these unrestrained enactments with formless awareness, one discovers how dualistic derangement and its cessation open out into referenceless presence. Both from kadag emerging, beyond existence and non-existence, Dualistic derangement and its cessation cannot be differentiated if one has presence of awareness in primordial space. As one is not deluded by the nature of perception, but by fixation, non-dual realisation occurs naturally. One simply needs to recognise that fixation is merely mind attempting to grasp at its own empty manifestations. Through the radical experiential improvisation of outer Kore Rushan, one emancipates inhibitions and realises a free dimension of being, based on the nature of mind rather than its transient expressions. When body, speech and mind, expression capacity, exhausting, then resting in Nalwa, in this way, practicing, realization naturally radiant and vast like sky becoming, reference points disappearing, all action spontaneous becoming, mind free from beginninglessness, no beginning, no end, speech like melodious echo becoming, 